Now, from BetQL, it's time for the Daily Tip with Michael Jenkins. Dang it, he's talented. And let's be honest, I go for ambition, not luck. And Chelsea Messenger. Don't kill the messenger, or the messenger will kill you. Hey, Dad, don't forget about me, the dunkster. Presented by BetMGM. Welcome back. It is our three of the Daily Tip from BetQL, presented by BetMGM. Thrilled to have you with us on a Monday. Coming up in the final hour here on the show, our takeaways from week eight in the National Football League, including a stunning outright win by the Denver Broncos at 820. We will get you set for tonight's game three of the Fall Classic as the World Series shifts to the desert. And after another strong week of wagering here on the show, we will lay out our best bets of the night. Chelsea, I I just saw this post on Twitter. I've just gotten to the point where I refuse to call it X. I'm just going to call it Twitter. And if people say you need to start calling it X, I'll say fine. But I say this because I saw a picture from Emmanuel Forbes, cornerback for the Commanders. And he was their top draft pick out of Mississippi State. He has really struggled a lot. And yesterday, I, I believe he only played five or six snaps, but he got absolutely cooked by A.J. Brown when A.J. Brown was in the game. Now, A.J. Brown cooks everyone because he's been unbelievable this season. However, Emmanuel Forbes posted a picture of himself looking depressed, (laughs) sitting, looks like in the locker room maybe after the game, and it just says, nobody said it was easy, trust and believe in God which is totally fine. I'm not knocking the message. I just always think it's interesting when athletes after a, like a tough, a tough game, a tough year, they'll just post a picture of themselves like, ah, well, maybe next time I'm going to start doing that now. So after a bad show, if I do my prep and I come out and I'm stumbling all over the place and my bets are bad, or I'm saying things that don't make any sense or my analysis sucks, I'm just going to post a picture of myself kind of down sitting in front of my computer, maybe microphone to the side, you know, looking a little depressed and say, nobody said radio is easy. Trust in God. I'll be back at it tomorrow. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to mirror pro athlete. Well, at least you're not pulling a James Harden and you can just go to the strip club and make it rain. And everybody's wondering if you even cared about the sport at all. Cause that's, that's the other true. thing. Like, yeah, this sucks. But at the same time, like, don't you want them to care about the outcome? So it just kind of feels like a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. But it also reminds me of like those press conferences when somebody's like guarding Kevin Durant. They're like, have you tried guarding Kevin Durant? It's not easy. You (laughs) try to go out there. So it kind of feels like the same deal when trying to guard A.J. Brown, who's been an absolute specimen uh, for most of his time in the NFL and especially this year. Was it been like mm, six straight games of like a hundred plus yards? I don't have the numbers in front of me, but yeah. Yeah. So it just, it's one of those scenarios where you just say, AJ Brown's really good. What did you want me to do? You try going (laughs) to guard him. It's like, can you imagine guarding like some of the, the most physically freaky athletes in the game? Cause I saw some picture kind of like this. It was some guy that used to play for the university of Georgia. The guy was 6'8", in like 1970, and they showed this picture of him catching a pass in the end zone. I'm like, of course. Like, he's 6'8". These quarterbacks don't have a chance. 
But if there was somebody who was a matchup nightmare for you, who was yeah. the like number one person that you wouldn't want to have to like be tasked with either like guarding or matching up with? Oh, Kevin Durant is a real good one because I was, because we were talking about a real one-on-one matchup. I know what happens in the NFL as well, but you get maybe help over the top, whatever, whatever it is, maybe you're in zone coverage. I think, well, if I go back, I just think this is going to be such an old school answer, but going one-on-one against Jordan would be an absolute nightmare. And I feel like Kevin Durant, if you just need a guy to get you a bucket, like, I, I think you're right. You're spot on there. It's probably Kevin Durant, you know, because if you're isolated, like you got to stop this one guy from getting a shot. I don't know how you do it. I, I you could play the best. He's one of those guys where you could, you could, play the best defense you could possibly play, and it still wouldn't matter. Yeah, but I'm also not an NBA player. So I'm pretty sure any person in the NBA could post me up for however many buckets that they want. <laughs> I think I would go with like the person who is the physically like most challenging to guard. Like Think about guarding mm-hmm. Wimby. He wouldn't even have to leave his feet. He would literally reach over me and just put it in the basket. Yeah. I think that would be like the toughest matchup. Just if we are specifically talking about ourselves, because I'm five seven. Like, what? How do you think that would go? Like, it would be comical. Um, like, at least Michael Jordan would have to like dribble around me. Wimby would literally just p- place it in the basket. I want to see you in your prime at NC State versus Shaq in his prime. Just down low on the blocks, <laughs> you know, you, you post up, you know, you know, you have a stern base, you're a swimmer, so you have strong legs. And can you keep Shaq from getting to the rim? <laughs> Absolutely not. Have you seen Shaq? Even though the yes. one knock I have on Wimby is that I've seen a, a video of him like warming up with one of the trainers and the trainer just like slightly nudges him with his shoulder and Wimby falls down. Like that wouldn't happen with Shaq. I think it would take right. a lot of force to move Shaq to the ground. So I think you're right. Shaq probably takes the cake there. Oh, my God. I do remember. I mean, I had been around a lot of pro athletes, but I used to cover the Spurs back in the day. This is back in the Tim Duncan, David Robinson days at the Alamo Dome. And I went to – I was just at the game to cover the Spurs. And I remember Shaq walked by because the Lakers were in town. And it's the – I had never been so wowed by how large a human being was. I was like, oh, you think you know? And until you're there, until you see it in person, you don't know. And I thought that is the biggest person. That's the biggest specimen I've ever seen in my life. I'll never forget that. And then I thought one day I'll host a show with someone who could probably take him on the blocks though, because times (laughs) change. You know, you never know. It's probably me. (laughs) And and I was right. I think if we actually had time travelers, they would be less impressed with technology and more impressed with how big we are now. Because I feel like people used to be so short. Like imagine if Shaq was walking around in biblical times. He would have been Goliath. I feel like Goliath was actually probably like 6'2". People are like, oh my God, he's a giant. But in today's (laughs) world, we have literal giants walking among us. Oh, no, you're right about that. Well, if you're talking about David versus Goliath, we had a, a battle yesterday like that in the NFL, and it was David winning the Broncos, downing the Chiefs. 
24 to 9. Broncos plus 7. Broncos plus 260. Total set at 45 and hook the under hits. The Broncos snapped their 16-game losing streak to Kansas City. The Chiefs held to less than 300 yards. Three touchdowns for Russell Wilson. And as they were leaving the field, the Chiefs, the Broncos played shake it off while they were going into the locker room. A nice little touch on a massive upset. How many parlays got crushed yesterday because of this game? Yeah, how many parlays and how many teasers? What was it, 16 straight times that the Broncos had lost to the hands of the Kansas City Chiefs? And finally, it was their turn to clown somebody else with the music because there were times that Russell Wilson would get egged on by opposing crowds when they would play future If you know the drama with Russell Wilson, he is married to Sierra, who is uh, her baby daddy is future. So her and, you know, clearly there's a tangled web between future and Russell Wilson. So now the shoe's on the other foot and he's playing, oh, shake it off, suck it to him. Uh, So it felt like a huge win for the Broncos. But what do we make of this loss for the Kansas City Chiefs? And you kind of talked about this with Oklahoma, how they were kind Mm -hmm. of begging for a loss and they had played like quite a few close games. Doesn't it feel like kind of the case with the Kansas City Chiefs where eventually they were going to lose one of those close games, even though this one wasn't particularly close? Yeah, if you just looked at how they had been playing from week to week, there was a certain standard they weren't meeting. And that was sort of how I felt like Oklahoma. Like, yeah, you're winning, but I've, I've watched enough to know like you're, you're begging for one. You're just kind of right there. And I like the Chiefs the same way. So I'm sure they're going to be fine. But of all the teams to lose outright to, I would have never guessed the Broncos. You talk about a team that needed this win. Denver probably needed a win like this more than any team in the NFL. A, because they finally broke that losing streak to KC. But B, just to get a dub and a good dub. Right. But we see this in the NFL like every year. Remember last year when the Chiefs lost to the Colts? Jeff Saturday's mm-hmm. one Sunday of shining Jeff Sunday. glory. Jeff Sunday came into ah. the NFL, and it was for one Sunday and one Sunday only. So I think this is more of an anomaly. I'm not taking too much away from this, but yeah. I will say the takeaway is that nobody looks head and shoulders above the rest of the class now. Because didn't the Chiefs kind of yeah. take that like before this game? And now they showed some signs of weakness, even though they weren't as exactly dominating in some of these games. But now the Niners have lost three straight games. Brock Purdy is, is having some issues with concussions as well. Uh, and then you look at the Eagles, who I guess are finding their stride, but that was a game that was probably a little too close for comfort for a Philadelphia team that was used to dominating everybody last year. Maybe should we be talking about the Cowboys? How many points did they score against the Rams? Like 43. So do you 43. think they deserve to be in the top tier of NFL teams? Because, like, I hate the Cowboys, but, like, they'll put up some good numbers here and again. But also, it's usually against bad teams. Yeah, I. this is one of my handicaps over the weekend. And our pick six, I love the Cowboys in this spot. And I just think that... People were sleeping on the Cowboys a little bit too much. They're, I don't know if they're top, but they're close. They're close. Dak Prescott, 305 yards, four touchdowns. CeeDee Lamb, 12 catches, 158 yards in this one. That Dallas offense looks really, really good. So if you look at the Cowboys, they have one bad loss to the Cards, a loss to the Niners when the Niners were at the top of their game, even though they're struggling right now. So there's a lot to like 
if you're the Cowboys. And so I, I think they're one of those teams that you sort of get Cowboys exhaustion, right? Because mm-hmm. they're Dallas, you're always going to talk about the Cowboys. But right now, they look really good. Yeah, I was just looking at the odds because we talk about this in the futures market a lot, that you want to buy into a team at the right spot when you get a good price on them. You don't want to buy a team when they're sitting on top of the mountain. So do you think there's any value in playing the Niners plus 260 to win the NFC? Right now, the Eagles, your favorite at BetMGM to win the NFC plus 220. Uh, Let's see what the price is on the Cowboys. I'm not even seeing it. Uh, But still, plus 260. For a Niners team that one would think they're going to get healthier and at some point they're going to be better, I do think the one sabotage factor is if Brock Purdy continues to struggle with concussions, there's a chance Mm -hmm. he could miss some games. Yeah, I think that's something to keep in mind, and which is something you absolutely should continue to monitor. But I do think your broader point is correct, which is if you're going to buy in on the Niners, now's the time. They've lost three straight, and we know that – we know they're going to get out of this funk. They're just too good not to. And also, they're going to get healthier. Hopefully, Brock Purdy stays upright if you're back in the Niners. But also, they need to get Debo back in the lineup. Christian McCaffrey's been banged up a little bit. So, I feel like the Niners are a team. I- I'm not worried about the Niners. Certainly, you never want to go into a spiral like this. But it's only three straight. For another team, I might worry. Not with San Francisco. And conversely, Chelsea, the Bengals, here they go again. What do they do every single season? They have won four of five. Joe Burrow was, talk about being on the mark, 28-32, 283 yards, three touchdowns. At one point during this game, he completed 19 straight passes. So as bad as the Niners have looked, quietly, here comes Cincinnati. Yeah, speaking of by low spots, how about the Bengals to win the AFC at 9-1? to one? This feels like a solid play. For a team that has proven they can go head-to-head with the beasts of the AFC. Like, think about it. Is there a single team in the postseason that you would put against Joe Burrow at the top of his Mm -hmm. game and say, Joe Burrow doesn't stand a chance? Like, I wouldn't, especially in the postseason. The Bengals have never been a great regular season team. It feels like they get a wild card and they kind of stake their way in. But at 9-1, to I think that's a very solid price. And I think the biggest takeaway from that Bengals game is that Joe Burrow looks a lot healthier. Now he has his mobility back, which he was never a quote-unquote dual-threat quarterback, but he's very shifty. If you saw some of the plays in that game, uh, scrambling out of the pocket, out of a tackle, and then completing a bonkers pass. like That's what Joe Burrow does. So now that he's had some time to heal, I think we will start to see the Bengals team that we've seen in years past. I just want to say before we go to break, I have to mention this game. The Jets beat the Giants yesterday in overtime, 13-10. It was a push. Jets minus 165. Total set at 34.5. The under hits. Tyrod Taylor leaves this game in the second quarter, injures his ribs. So they have to elevate a practice squad player to quarterback. That's Tommy DeVito. He goes two for seven with negative one-yard passing. So the Giants throw for negative nine yards overall. That is the fewest in franchise history since they started keeping that stat back in 1933. Sacked four times for negative 16 yards. Oh, my God. I am so glad I did not watch that game. Coming up next, we're getting you ready for tonight's Game 3 of the World Series. The Fall Classic shifting back to Phoenix in the desert. It's next on the Daily Tip for Becky Presented by Adam Jeff. 
Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip, presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the Daily Tip, presented by Bet MGM with Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the show. It's a daily tip from BetQL presented by BetMGM. It is great to have you with us on a Monday, even though Mondays are the worst. Coming up shortly, the Rangers and Diamondbacks hit the diamond for a critical game three in the World Series. We'll tell you what picks we're thinking about making in this one. Chelsea, I made such a terrible scheduling choice this weekend. Oh my God, so bad. So Early on Saturday morning, I had not seen a couple friends of mine, my friends Tyler and Steve, for a long time. And I've known them for, God, two decades now. But we're older, so Steve is married, has a couple little girls. Tyler is not married, but he's in a relationship. So you know how it is. When you get older and you have families or you move out of the city or whatever, it's just more difficult to keep up with your friends. So... We had been texting like, we need to get together. It's been too long. So we decided, hey, we both have or we all have things that we're doing on Saturday or I've got a family, whatever. we got to take the girls out. So we decided we would go on a hike together, just a walk in Rock Creek Park here in D.C. But I scheduled that for 11 a.m. on Saturday. And let me tell you, for someone who likes to go out on Friday nights, getting up that early to walk for a couple hours it's one of the worst decisions I've made in a long time because Catherine and I went out and we had a couple drinks and we came back here and decided we would have like a 90s country music party. We just popped open a bottle of wine and played as many 90s country songs as we could think of. I had a blast. But let me tell you something. When that alarm hit the next day and I thought, I cannot believe I'm getting up right now when I should be sleeping in and I got to go walk in a park for a couple hours I did it. I'm glad I did. But next time, I'm going to plan that out much better. 11 a.m. For somebody who does a morning show five days a week, this doesn't yes. even seem early. So, like, what time it's did early. you have to wake up? 10? Yeah. Well, but also during the week, I'm not tying one on and partying with my significant other until 1231 in the morning. So during the week, it's like, oh, it's not a big deal. I mean, it is a big deal. It's tough getting up early for this show, but I'm also going to bed early. I'm preparing. I'm being responsible. So on Saturday and Sunday, that's when I sleep in. I wake up when the alarm goes off, or I take that back. There is no alarm. I just wake up when I wake up. So after a night like that, 10 a.m., I know it doesn't seem early, but it was early. I think I'd go the opposite because I feel like when I'm hungover, I can't sleep anyway. So I'm like, yeah. I might as well do something because like, I'm just sitting here and the world is spinning. Because here's the thing about alcohol. Like, I love drinking, but I feel like it very much affects my sleep. Maybe it's because oh, yeah. I don't drink that often, but I don't get good sleep anyway. So I'm just sitting there laying and be like, oh, God, I feel so disgusting. As opposed to when I don't drink, that's when I can sleep for like three days at a time. Oh, well, you're not wrong about that. I definitely do not sleep well after I go out and have drinks. So that's why I don't do it every night because I want to sleep well. So I'm with you on that. I just thought of all the things to do 
I don't want to get up and move. Like it would have been nice just to sort of go to the couch, make some breakfast, turn on some college football and chill. I could have done that. But getting dressed and then going down to the park and moving for a couple hours, that's what I didn't want to do. Well, Jenks, I'll do you one better because the night after I went out, I had a four-year-old birthday party on the schedule. Oh. And that's exactly why I didn't get drunk. Because can you imagine being super hungover at a four-year-old's birthday party God. that was pirate-themed and all of the <laughs> kids had plastic swords and they're just like slamming on you like, ah! and screaming? Like this is the exact opposite place you'd want to be hungover. So I'm proud of myself for not getting like too deathly hungover, but I'm not going to lie. It was not the thing that I wanted to do uh, on a Saturday morning. Good on you. I don't know how you pull that off. <laughs> well done, Chelsea. Even I'm like, oh my God, that sounds a lot worse than what I went through. All right, let's go through the motions here and see if we can find a winner, pick a side, find something that we like in tonight's game through the World Series. It is the Rangers and Diamondbacks. Series tied at one, D-backs and Rangers, each minus 110 on the money line. Your total set at nine. You've got Mad Max, Max Scherzer going for the Texas Rangers, and Brandon Fought going for your Arizona Diamondbacks. Chelsea, are you going to play baseball tonight? Is, is there something in this game that I don't know about that I should be aware of that you're thinking, all right, this is because you love to play baseball. I just don't know if there's a pick you like enough to put it down officially. Here's the problem. So far, the series has not really gone how I expected. Not in the fact that the Diamondbacks are winning games and very much hanging. It's just I expected more from the starters from the Rangers. So here's how I had it playing out in my mind. So far in the postseason, before the series, you could trust Nathan Avaldi, Big Game Nate, and Jordan Montgomery mm. to get it done. And if that same formula came to fruition, you would say, okay, based on the last couple of games, you would play Brandon Fought here. But now my thinking is all askew because those first two games did not plan out, uh, did not go how I expected. So now, if you look on the previous sample size, you would say, okay, this is the game to play the Diamondbacks. But again, I was wrong in the first two games, so now I am in a mental pretzel. Am I telling myself, okay, go with your gut here. Brandon Fott has been a great pitcher this postseason, and plus the Diamondbacks bats are hot. Do we just simply play the Diamondbacks at a pick and price here, or do we try to get creative and uh, look at some of these props. But here's the thing. Sometimes I think that you can overthink things. And instead mm -hmm. of playing your gut feeling, you try to get too cute and say, well, what about head-to-head -head markets for strikeouts? Brandon fought over Good a Matt right. Scherzer. But sometimes at the end of the day, you go with, you know, the pick you like first. And that would be the Diamondbacks. Yeah, I like the Diamondbacks in the full game. I really do. I think this is their game to win. And they have been the better team, I think, through the first two games of this series, even though the Rangers had that incredible comeback in game one in the walk-up by Garcia. I think you make a really good point, which is, look, you can go into the numbers. You can you can analyze any bet to death and go over mm -hmm. it. And you can make a case for both sides. That's why point spreads exist, right? And that's why betting is so hard. You can always make a case most of the time, the vast majority of the time, I feel like, for both sides. But for me, I'll, I'll keep it simple. And I just cannot fade Brandon Fought in this spot. So if I'm betting this game, I would go Diamondbacks, first five, money line. You know I love my first five picks, but especially here because I don't want to – give way to that Diamondbacks bullpen. I think you're going to back Arizona. You back a guy who has been not unhittable 
but who has been spectacular in the second half of the season, in the playoffs. Just look at what Brandon Fott has done. And I owe this guy an apology. I'm telling you, he's a young guy, and I was I was all over fading him, made some money doing that. But, man, once he came back to the bigs after working on his stuff, and it takes – this this happens to all young pitchers in Major League Baseball. You know that, right? It just – it takes time for them to sort of develop their game and get right. But, man, in his last five starts going back into the regular season, he has given up more than two runs only once. Last three games in the playoffs against – the Dodgers, and then in two performances against the Phillies, he's given up a total of two earned runs in 14 innings. And I don't know what's going on with Max, but I said this earlier in the show. There's just too many question marks surrounding Max. There's no questioning his reputation, his competitiveness, and his talent. But he hasn't been good in his last two starts in the postseason. He's returning from that shoulder injury, and now I'm reading that he's got a cut on his right finger that they're – they're repairing with super glue and cotton. So that's great. Sounds good, guys. Hope you enjoy fixing Max's finger at your local Michaels. I I just cannot get behind Max outside of his reputation. There has to be something there besides Mad Max is Mad Max. And at some point, he will revert to being the Hall of Fame pitcher that we know and love. Until I see it, I can't do it. I'm going Diamondbacks, first five money line. Yeah, I like that. Even I think you could play the full game uh, because I do think the bullpen edge still goes to Arizona because there's a couple arms in that Texas bullpen that I don't feel great when they come out uh, to pitch for the Rangers. So I think you could argue, argue either. But here's the sabotage factor. Max Scherzer was in a difficult position his first game in the postseason, came out against Houston and had not pitched in uh, a real live game in over a month. Mm-hmm. And then he's thrown out there against the hot hitting Astros. And of course he gave up five earned runs. I'll say the next time around, he was better. Like he wasn't dominant, but he went two and two thirds and only gave up two earned runs. So it does look like he is progression, uh, progressing in this case. So maybe that's your sabotage factor here, but also built into this, the Diamondbacks bats have been red hot against even the best of pitching. I said this early on, early on in the postseason. They've had to go mm-hmm. against some really tough starting pitchers, and they've handed them all losses. So I think I would still trust the Diamondbacks' bats to get it done as well. That goes into it. But the other market I was talking about, Brandon Fott going head-to-head with Max Scherzer on his strikeouts. Uh, Brandon F- uh, Fott to record more strikeouts than Max Scherzer is minus 130. But I'm thinking to myself, okay, if he has more strikeouts than Max Scherzer, he's probably going to get quite a few strikeouts. So would you just play a strikeout prop over four and a half for even money? Because Brandon Fott has had some great strikeout stuff. He hit this in both games against the Phillies, although the Phillies are fully capable of, you know, swinging and missing. It feels like a lineup Mm -hmm. is either hitting home runs or striking out. But just last time around, we saw Merrill Kelly strike out nine against this Rangers lineup. And even in the first game in the series, Zach Gallen got this uh, in five innings of work. So I think that may be the better play. I'll go Brandon Fodd over four and a half strikeouts for even money. I was just going to ask you, that sounds like maybe something that might be your best bet of the day. I, I love that, Chelsea. I think you're spot on there. And at even money, it makes it even better. The one thing we know about this guy is that he can absolutely just, his stuff is electric when he's on. The only thing I would worry about, you know what, I take that back. I'm not worried about it, is he made his debut against the Rangers. I believe it was his major league debut and gave up seven runs in that debut. But I, to me, I don't think it's, 
I just don't think it's something you can really rely on because he's a completely different pitcher now. He's a completely different pitcher because of what we saw in the second half of the season. And obviously, making your major league debut versus already performing in the playoffs against the Dodgers and Phillies, to me, that's ages ago. Well, I still think it's a sabotage factor because the Rangers have one of the best lineups in all of baseball. That's why they're standing yeah. here. So I think that is the sabotage factor is if they get him uh, gone from this game early on, even though I don't think the leash is going to be super short, we are sitting in a series that's tied one game apiece. You're back at home. And I still think that the Diamondbacks trust Brandon fought a little bit more than they do their bullpen arm. So I think they'll let him kind of ride in there, even if he gives up a few runs. So I'll stick with that. Uh, what about a total? I think this total kind of confounds me. Because I think if I were to play anything, I would play an over. Because mm -hmm. you look at the Diamondbacks. They've scored at least five runs in both of the World Series games so far. And that was against their top-line pitchers. You know, So I think a lot of these runs uh, may be coming later in this game as well. So even if Max Scherzer just gives up like a couple, and then you have the Rangers mm -hmm. bats, who we know with one swing of the bat can cash them all in if they have some runners on base. So nine scares me a little bit, but I think I still would lean towards the over. What about you? Yeah, I think I would too. And it's not my it's not my favorite bet, but and it's I always get nervous, especially in a playoff game and especially a World Series game, right? Like I'm gonna go over in a World Series game, which tend to be tighter than than games in the regular season. But you know, both both game one and game two have hit the over. This just feels like another one of those games where the over hits late, be it the Rangers mashing against that D-backs bullpen or the D-back getting a clutch hit or two late to drive in a run. And I I wonder if both of these starting pitchers, Brandon Fott and Max Scherzer, can have lights-out performances. I feel like one of these guys gets hit up. I don't know who it's going to be, so I'm not going to bet on this game. My bet would be that Mad Max gets touched up early. But based on the bats in the series, it makes me a little nervous, but I would lean towards the over. Yeah, I think so as well, uh, especially with these bullpens. The later that we get into this series, the more familiar these batters are going to be with yeah. the opposing pitchers. Like the more times you see somebody's stuff, especially on a daily basis, that is when the advantage absolutely goes to the hitters. And we've seen some guys be red hot in the postseason. Like you see what Adolis Garcia has done with his bat. Corey Seager has been fantastic as well. And then on the other end, uh, Cattell Marte sitting postseason records for the amount of consecutive games in which he has had a hit. And plus, don't look now, but Corbin Carroll, uh, an absolute force for the Dimebacks as well. And I'm wondering if we'll continue to see small ball be a factor in the World Series because it's been a factor for the Dimebacks all season long. Had the second most stolen bases of any team in baseball. We knew it would be big since the rule change made the bases bigger and it would be an advantage to these really fast teams. Uh, but it's just funny because you always hear like, oh, you want to go with the lineup that can really rake. But now we're seeing in the World Series like sacrifice bunts, guys stealing. Mm -hmm. As a fundamentalist, you love to see it. Yeah, and hasn't it been great to see the difference in styles between the two teams as well? It just makes baseball mm -hmm. more interesting. And Cattell Marte, 18 consecutive hits in the postseason. He was tied with Derek Jeter and someone else, I believe, with 17 consecutive hits. Cattell Marte has never not had a hit in the playoffs. Coming up next, it was smooth sailing last week for me and Chelsea on our best bets. But now we got to start fresh, and hopefully that means picking more winners. 
yes, that is next on the Daily Tip from BetQL, presented by our good friends at BetMGM, and it's coming up next. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Let's get back to the Daily Tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the show. It is the Daily Tip from BetQL, presented by BetMGM. Oh my God, Double D. Great to be with you on the Daily Tip from BetQL, presented by BetMGM. Best bets on the way in just a touch. Chelsea, what do you got going on today? What am I missing here? What's a, You had a huge weekend, huge Halloween weekend in Hendersonville. Is today a day of rest? It is not. I have a lot of manual labor ahead of me because I'm sure you've seen the pictures of my mom's pool that she has all those banana trees well, we have freezing weather upon us this week. So now I have to dig up all of those banana trees and put them in the house because that's how we keep banana trees. Because in Tennessee, you can't keep banana trees who are tropical plants out in the winter element. So that's what I got to do. Uh, so I will say it counts for my workout at least because it, it is very challenging and very difficult. But right now it's raining. So hopefully that lets oh. up or else it's going to be a miserable day. Oh, I don't want to see that. I want to see everything go down the right way for you. Also, I just read this article. I just got your take real quick. This is so ridiculous to me. So the Houston Cougars of college football, as we know, what was it a couple weeks ago or a few weeks ago, they wore the classic Houston Oilers love you blue uniforms, which I believe the Tides are wearing this weekend, right? So the mm -hmm. NFL has sent Houston a cease and desist, the University of Houston, to stop using these love you blue uniforms. And one of the reasons is, this is a quote, <laughs> the Houston Cougars made unauthorized use of the Oilers trade dress in a manner that is likely to cause consumers to believe that the Houston Cougars are associated with the NFL. No, it won't. <laughs> Nobody's going to see these uniforms and be like, mm, I tell you what, man, I think the Houston Cougars can win it all this year. They can definitely win the AFC South. They're better than Jacksonville. That, the NFL is so petty and stupid sometimes, and actually riding that line with a straight face is incredible. It's This is always how the NFL acts, right? They usually, yes. you would think somebody who has such enormous power and monopoly over football, uh, which I know they don't have the college ranks, but you get what I'm saying, should not be this insecure about people who are doing things that are kind of like the NFL. Like, isn't this, isn't there some quote where like wealth whispers and like money shouts or something? Do you get what I'm saying? That like the NFL does not need to be this petty. Like they've already got it going on. They don't right. need to like crush these little 
things that pop up, they will be just fine. Yeah, they're gonna. That's that's the thing. I think you you nailed it. Which is like, why like nobody. This was not an issue for anyone. No one. Not even when they wore them. It was like, yeah, they're wearing the lovely blue uniforms. Big deal. So what? But the NFL man. The NFL is going to NFL, and this is probably just about money more than anything else, right? They don't want they don't want Houston selling some sort of love you blue throwbacks that might make Houston money that the NFL could make instead. I guarantee you that's the motivation here. Coming up next, no back QL Daily, Odyssey Insider, Jason Lockenfora from the NFL. We'll talk with the crew about what they saw in week eight in pro football. Of course, we still have Monday Night Football tonight. And if you missed our conversation about what we expect to happen in game three of the Fall Classic tonight, Rangers and the Diamondbacks, you got to download the pod. Just download and subscribe to the Daily Tip wherever you get your podcast. Chelsea, I believe, I want to make sure I get this right. You went six and three last week. I went six and three last week. <laughs> the dunkster went two and seven. We had a winning week. So let's keep it going and find out who we have the most faith in tonight. Time to place your bets. Chelsea's been a very nice run for you. Not just last week, over the past few weeks. So where are we going tonight? All right, best bet of the night is a little juicy, but I do think it's a good one. I'm going to go Max Scherzer, starting pitcher for the Rangers, over three and a half hits allowed for minus 150. If you know one thing about the Dimebacks, it's that they are a hit for average team. Maybe they don't smoke the home runs that the Texas Rangers do, but by God, are they racking up the hits. If you look at their last few games, last time around, they had 16 hits as a team. Eight hits, 11 hits, and 10 hits. Granted, those are full games, but still, the point stands. The Diamondbacks in the postseason have the second-best batting average of any team that was in the postseason, and they have the larger sample size. Like, only the Brewers have a better team batting average, but the Brewers only played a couple of games, so therefore, it's easier to have a better team batting average. Then you look at the starting pitchers who have faced up against the Arizona Diamondbacks. A starting pitcher has given up at least four hits in six straight outings against the Dimebacks. Plus, you have Max Scherzer in this one, who feels like he is not one of the stronger pitchers in the starting rotation for the Rangers in this one. He's given this up in both starts this postseason. Granted, that first one was coming off an injury, but still against the Astros last time around, only went two and two-thirds and gave up four hits. So I do think the, the Diamondbacks can scratch across some hits against Max Scherzer. And also, I think that he will try to, or they will try to keep in in this game uh, a little bit longer. So even if he's doing well, I think he stays in the mm-hmm. game long enough to give up four hits because both of these teams are kind of already struggling with pitching depth because the first game of the series went to extra innings. So let's go Max Scherzer over three and a half hits allowed for minus 150. Oh, I love that bet. Chelsea, good luck to you. I am going with the NFL, believe it or not. Josh Jacobs, under 63 and a half rushing yards. It's minus 130 at BetMGM. There is only two times this season that Josh Jacobs has eclipsed this number. That was in a couple of Raiders wins. In every single loss, he has gone under this number. I expect a Raiders loss tonight. And also, if you look at the average yards per carry, 
as far as Jacobs is concerned, 2.29 yards per carry. That line isn't helping him out at all, which is crazy to think about because he led the NFL in rushing last season, but also game script matters here. I think the Lions come out on Monday Night Football, jump all over the Raiders, which means they're going to need to pass the football. That means less carries and less yardage for Josh Jacobs. Oh, by the way, Detroit, the number two rushing defense in the NFL. Let's go under 63 and a half rush yards for Josh Jacobs. Yeah, and 63 is a pretty high number for a running back, especially Josh Jacobs, who has not put up the video game stats that he put up last season. Now it's time to go to the third member of our Best Bets crew, the Magic 8-Ball. Let us gaze upon the glorious Magic 8-Ball. Shall it fade or tail these noble betters? All right, A-Ball, it's time for the two-minute drill because we got to get things going. All right, best bets. Do we like a Max Scherzer over three and a half hits allowed tonight against the Diamondbacks? A-Ball says, cannot predict now. All right, let's get an answer here. Yeah. Yes, definitely. There we go. It only took two tries. Hey, all right. Next time, or next up, we've got Josh Jacobs under 63 and a half rush yards. A-Ball says, most likely. There we go, eight ball, you dog. All right. If you want to check out the eight ball, if you want to stream each and every show on the BetQL network, it is easy. Twitch.tv slash BetQL. Chelsea, I see a couple more. Oh, I was going to say baseball bets, a baseball bet and a basketball bet on the car. What are you thinking? All right. So I'll try to make it quick. Brandon Fodd over four and a half strikeouts for even money. Feels like we got to get something plus money on the card since I have a very juicy best bet. Uh, Brandon Fodd has hit this in each of his last two starts, struck out nine and seven. And plus the Diamondbacks uh, have had the number of the Rangers, at least when it comes to strikeouts, Merrill Kelly just struck out nine last time around. So even if Brandon Fodd doesn't have a great outing, I think they'll keep him in long enough to hit this number. His strikeout stuff has been Electric. Next up, we'll go Ben Simmons of the Nets over his rebounds plus assists over 16 and a half for minus 105. If you look at Ben Simmons, he has hit this in each game so far this season. And plus, uh, you've got a team coming in and the Hornets who have been really bad at uh, pulling down rebounds, which is half of this. Uh, Jalen Duran of the Pistons had 17 boards. Clint Capella of the Hawks had 13 boards against the Hornets. Uh, and plus, uh, Cam Johnson, Nick Claxton out for the Nets. I think Ben Simmons picks up some of the slack. So I'll go over his rebounds plus assists. Chelsea, I got one more bet on the card. I am going hockey, a little stick and puck. Blue Jackets at the Stars under six and a half. It's minus 135. I am generally a sucker for Stars bets because that's been the trend for these guys over the past couple of years. Jake Ottinger, always a stub between the pipes. This year is no different. He is 3-0-1. Goals against average of 1.44. This Dallas team allows the fourth fewest goals in all of hockey. And Columbus is 26th in goals per game. And Stars are 5-1 and one to the under this season. I like this total at six and a half. I like it at six as well. If you want to reduce the juice going under six and a half jackets and the stars and big D let's do your BetQL five-star best bet for insight trends, analysis, articles, videos, you can download the BetQL app and become a more intelligent and informed better. The dogster is doing a little NBA and some hockey tonight. Pistons at thunder laying five and a half points with Oklahoma city and golden Knights. Under six and a half, hosting the Canadiens. So, Thunder minus five and a half. Canadiens, Golden Knights, under six and a hook. Let's try to bring in our Erin Hawksworth. I don't know if she's having a microphone issue or not. I don't see her. 
Let's give it a shot and see what's coming up next on BetQL Daily. Aaron, are you there? She yeah. is not. All right. That's <laughs> a, eh? I was like, I don't know. This is kind of dicey. So, okay. That's all right. I'll tell you what's coming up next on BetQL Daily. Let me do this for Aaron. Not nearly as good. They're going to look at tonight's Monday Night Football matchup between the Lions and the Raiders. And also, of course, preview Game three of the World Series. What else, Chelsea? If you have a parting shot, do you have a lean you'd like to throw out before we go? A parting shot? No. A parting Just a, shot. They're gonna talk. They're gonna talk about everything we talked about, but we probably are gonna do it better. So you need to listen to the podcast. <laughs> if you missed any of the parts of our show, just search the Daily Tip wherever you get your podcast. I guess you could listen to Beckyville Daily too. I suppose my parting shot bravo that's a that's exactly what i thought it would be and what i hoped it would be what up next here oh well coming back you know it's gonna be back to you daily that's gonna do it for us here on the daily tip of night two presented by fed thanks for spending your monday morning with us she's chelsea i'm jinx good luck at all your bets we'll see you early tomorrow morning You've been listening to The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. If you missed any of the show, listen back anytime on the new and improved Odyssey app. 